Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, welcome back. It's Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode is with Mark Johnson, who was the former head coach at the University of Illinois for a number of years, like 15, 20 years. Before that, he was an assistant at the University of Iowa with Gable during the heyday of the 80s. He saw everything, man. And he was Olympian in 1980 as well. Now, this is another bonus episode, meaning that it was recorded during our research for the Dan Gable podcast documentary that I'm working on and producing that's going live at the end of September. All I can say about it is, if you like the 30 for 30s, you will love this podcast documentary we're going to be releasing in September. But some of the interviews we did were so outstanding, I can't keep them to myself. It wouldn't be fair. And this one's one of them. Mark Johnson just has some great stories about what he learned from Gable. Quick shout out to our fan of the week. This one goes to Don Rar, R-A-W-R. Appreciate the love on Instagram. Thank you so much. Keep on tuning in, brother. Now, get the popcorn ready. Get the drinks. Get the water. Put the phones down. It's time for this interview with Mark Johnson in Champaign, Illinois. Thank you. When you were at Michigan, like, what was the perception of Iowa? Because I know you battled Chris Campbell in the finals twice. It's same weight class, two years in a row, if I got the, the history right. right. What was the right. perception of Iowa when you were kind of on the outside? Well, you know, I, I, it's funny. I thought I was going to go to Iowa to play football at a high school. And back then, you, you know, there wasn't, they, they didn't make a big deal out of, out of uh, you know, hey, I, I, uh, I'm going to go to Iowa. And, you know, it's not in the paper enough. I just thought I'd go there. Well, I got pretty decent my senior year. ended up winning the junior national stuff. So I go to Michigan. And Michigan was actually the number one team in the country my freshman year. All year ended up being second uh, in the NCAA tournament. That's when Gable come. You could kind of see the recruiting. It's like you know that you know the the year uh, you guys like Brad Smith and Campbell and you know Szeski and Hall, and that they were going to be good. And then Gable kind of when he when he got there, the perception was like, holy cow, these guys have just exploded on the scene. But Gable is the assistant, and was like you know they became instant powerhouses. It wasn't like there wasn't a lot of buildup. It was like bang, bang. They end up, you know, they, they win the Nationals a couple of times and, uh, you know, they were just, they, they were just loaded. And of course, it's really never stopped, uh, you know, for, you know, 40 years now. And Iowa wasn't really a power before Gable became the assistant or Curtin Mal took over. No, I think they were a good program, but, but Michigan, Michigan State were actually the powers uh, at, you know, before then. So, you know, traditionally Michigan was a good school and it was a good academic school. I was a good student. So it was a good fit for me. Uh, you know, once I, you know, got there was, you know, Hey, it's, it's, it's like, geez, I'm, I'm an hour away from the university. I went out the top school, but when I went, my choice was a good choice for me. I had a great experience in Michigan and, and I like it. Yeah. But, you know, Iowa certainly, uh, you know, became, became the dominant wrestling, you know, for decades. Mm -hmm. Well, and like you said, it's close to uh, to our, our hometown area, the Quad City. So that's Absolutely. kind of the best of both worlds. Um, yeah. So did you room with Gable on the road when you were still competing at the senior level before you were a coach? Or how, kind of how did you end up going there? Like, what's the story behind no, that? No, I, I went there. There was a, there was a, 
I believe it was a, a national freestyle tournament, uh, an open tournament that was in Iowa City. It may have been Greco. I'm not, I can't really remember, but I remember wrestling, winning it. And so I think it was Greco. And yeah, I remember Gable come up. I was actually going to be a graduate assistant at the University of Oregon. And I had some opportunities to be grad assistants, you know, you know, around the country. I just chose Oregon. They were good in Greco. And I thought that'd be a good fit. And Gable says, hey, what are you doing? And I was going to leave for Oregon in probably about, I think, two weeks. So I said, I'm going to be a GA at Oregon. I said, why don't you come to Iowa? And I kind of said, well, <laughs> nobody's asked, you know. <laughs> and he said, if you're interested, go talk to that guy over there. And the guy that kind of ran the, the club system, everybody was a guy named John Marsh. So I went up to John Marsh. I'm thinking, this is kind of awkward, you know. I mean, hey, Gable said, yeah, you already talked to me about it. Uh, if you want to come, here's what we'll do. Da, 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 da. I said, I'm coming. And I remember going wow. to Rock Island and the coach from Oregon, a guy named Ron Finley. I remember the phone ringing, Ryan. And I said, that's, that's Ron Finley. I could just tell. And I phoned it. It was Ron Finley. And I, would, I was his only coach. He only got a GA. So I said, I just picked up the phone. And it was him. You know, you didn't have caller ID back then. I just had that feeling. And I said, Coach, this is Mark John. I'm not coming. I'm going to Iowa. And I'll never forget. He said, who are you going to work out with there? And I kind of started laughing. I said, well, there's a lot of good workout partners there. And, and that was a pivotal moment, not only in my wrestling career, but really in my life. Uh, you know, and so I never turned back. So I went there and, uh, you know, became a grad, went to grad school. I substitute taught. I worked a little bit at the university because, uh, you know, back then you couldn't get paid just to be an athlete. You know, you still had to worry about the amateur worlds and stuff like oh, that. Oh, my God. And, and uh so you piece things together. They paid, you know, they, they gave me a place to live uh, free. I actually roomed with Jay Robinson and this John Marks when I first got there. And uh, uh, Jay was a full-time coach. And so that's kind of how it started. And, you know, so I just trained, just kept my nose at grindstone with school, uh, you know, worked hard, worked out with the team. And, and you know, really – as a GA there, you're, you're more of a workout partner. There really wasn't a whole lot of wrestling responsibility. I did a little bit of the strength training because obviously I was into that part and good at it. And so, you know, I helped the guys in their strength training. But mainly I was there as a workout partner for myself and for the team. And so the team had good stuff. I actually uh, worked out with Campbell. You know, I went to Greg Ryan and freestyle. But most of the time I wrestled freestyle in, in college yeah. style. But just guys, yeah. just made me tougher. And and I'll never forget, Ryan, my first workout was with John Bolsby. He was a heavyweight. And it wasn't the deal that he was a big guy. It was August. And we worked out before, I don't even know school was in session. So I just get there. And we go work out. And we wrestled. And we wrestled. And we wrestled. And we wrestled. I put more time in wrestling that workout, that first workout, than I ever had at the University of Michigan. And we were good at Michigan. We were second, you know, we were second. We were always in the top 10 my four years there. And I'm going, holy cow, no wonder why these guys are good. You know, they, they just put so much time under the mat. And really? I mean, Chris, it, it was incredible the amount of, of time that they spent wrestling live. And I had never done that before, which is you didn't do it. I mean, it wasn't the, the deal. And that, that was the norm there. So that's, I, you know, I said, oh, wow, this is why one of the reasons they're good. And then they got great kids that wanted to go there and, and that work ethic thing. But that was kind of my story getting in the, getting, getting there. And so I just, you know, kind of worked hard and worked out with the team. And I wasn't a crazy guy. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a guy. I'm not, a, I'm not a big drinker. I had my fun and I, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, but that's kind of how I got there. And, uh, you know, so I get to know Gable uh, a little bit, got to know Jay Robinson uh, a lot better because I, I lived with Jay for a couple of years. And uh, then Jay got married and uh, then they, they actually built a Hawker house, a, a fourplex. And so I moved into there and actually moved with, you know, a lot of the guys were there. There were, there were probably a dozen guys there training at the time uh, from, from all over. And um, so Man. that was my experience as a grass going. And it was awesome. So I'm there training. I lift the weights in the morning, you know, there, the wrestling was so poppy. I had access to that. You know, I'd walk right into the inner mirror, you know, or, or to the weight room. And, you know, everybody was you know, very welcoming. And, and that was, it was a great community uh, of wrestling people there. I mean, there were a lot of guys that stuck around and were local that, 
you know, were, were my age from, from Campbell to Brad Smith to Dan Holm, uh, Greg Stevens, guys, guys are all former All-Americans and national, and just team members. And Mark Mesnick and, and, and people like that, uh, that just you made the Bannocks you know, at the all? Tr- the, the, oh, well, the, the Bannocks, absolutely. I, I always believe that one of the reasons I got the full-time job was because I used to work out with the Bannocks all the time. And, uh, you know, I think they needed that. And I actually left for a year, Ryan. So I went down and I, I worked out at a, I worked at a boys club in Sarasota, Florida. So I had made the Olympic team. We went through the boycott situation and, uh, uh, I moved to Sarasota, got married, and I was I was working at a, as a you know as a physical fitness director at a boys club. Kind of, I thought I'm going to go down there for a year and kind of decide where I knew I wanted to coach. And I had some offers. I think I'm going to take some time off and to really get into to bodybuilding a little bit, which I did. And uh, uh, the phone rings, or the, the, the you know the, the phone at the boys club rings. This guy comes up, to, hey, you got a phone call? See who it is. He goes, yeah, some guy named Dan Gable. He did the guy in oh. Florida, and he was just getting on the phone. I'm going, ah, that's my brother, one of my knucklehead friends, you know. I asked him, hello, like expected to be a buddy or my brother, and it was Gable. What are you doing, Johnson? I'm working. He says, uh, offer me a job right on the spot. Uh, we're having a change in staff, uh, and I'm offering you a full-time job. I said, when do you got to know? Pretty good. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, the guy I was working for down there was from Kia Cox, who understood wrestling. I went and told him, he said, that's a great opportunity. I played Major League Baseball for a little while, getting Joe Lutz. And so that's kind of how my, my story took. I took off. I mean, we loaded up uh, U-Haul and, and took off, and we moved to Iowa City, and I started coaching. And how excited were you to get that call? Because being in that environment in Iowa City for those years when you were GA, and then stepping out and going to Florida, it had to be such a change. And you would just think that, man, you'd be so excited to get back in that environment. Well, yeah. And, I, you know, and of course, I wasn't 100% sure that I was going back into college. You know, you, sometimes you just take life as it comes. And, and I actually really enjoyed Florida and, you know, probably was going to take over that boys club at some time. Uh, and I, and I kind of liked that work. And so, yeah, you, know, you get a call from Gable at the number one school. And, I, of course, I knew what I was getting myself into. My, it wasn't a worry. I guess the concern was, okay, how does, there's a lot of Iowa guys, a lot of successful guys, a lot of people that, of course, wanted that job. Here's Dan Gable and, and then Jay Robinson was the top assistant coach. And, uh, you know, I, I think my ability in the room and, and you know, you know, my ability to, to, to get along with the guys, I guess, would, would help. I, I, you know, and working out with the Bannock certainly helped. But I was I was concerned. Okay, how are these Iowa guys going to handle this? They, you know what? No, everybody could could have been better because I'd been there a few years. You know, I trained there a couple of years ago. I stayed one year. I actually had an Olympic training job with Amana Corporation after I made the Olympic team because I was going to wrestle a little bit more. I didn't really wrestle a whole lot after that, but uh, you know, did that. But but they were very welcoming. The guys on the team, the seniors. I like I said, I'd known them, but really wasn't a coach when you're a grad assistant. It's a different, you know. That's only, like I say, a workout thing. So that was kind of my story of getting my foot in the door and getting in coaching. And after that, it's just, it's it's all about hard work. You know, people ask me what Gable's history. secret. Yeah, Gable has a uniqueness that he attracts great athletes to him. He he makes people work hard, but but his secret, I've always said, has been hard work. I, You know, he worked at wrestling all the time. I mean, it was just so totally different than what I experienced it. At, at Michigan, I uh, just was just a different level. I'm not, I loved Michigan at the time, but getting there and, and the work ethic and, you know, even with the coaches, you know, when I was an assistant coach, I worked out almost every single day wrestling with the guys. And then I'd go technique or put them through strength training workouts in the morning, a lot of individual time. And that was kind of their secret. Uh, I don't want to say secret. It, it really wasn't no secret. It was just hard work. And you worked out with guys that were a lot of times, you know, for the guys on the team that were better than them uh, because the guys are training for the Olympics. So you got a lot of guys doing that. And then they were just, they, they had great recruits and these guys loved wrestling. I mean, it was a wrestling environment and, uh, you know, academics were certainly a part of it. I don't hardly ever remember anybody being ineligible because they academics. So they got what they, they, they got their schoolwork done, but it was just an intensity about wrestling that, that, you know, like say most people don't experience it. And I think, you know, then of course a lot of us, 
you know, me and Barry and Jay Robinson and, and Tim Szeski and, you know, Dwayne Goldman and, you know, a lot of people then became head coaches and took that same philosophy, you know, out on, out in other schools. Absolutely. And how, I mean, the coaching tree is, is insane. And then I know you coached uh, Heffernan and now he's the head coach in Illinois, obviously, but he was the national champ in the late eighties for Iowa. Now, how different was the recruiting then versus when you were the head coach at Illinois in like the mid 2000s? Like, was there a big focus on recruiting and was it a huge job or did it kind of happen? Well, no, you know, of course, Jimmy Zaleski was in that group too. I coached Jimmy and and Barry. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, when I went to Oregon state, we had the, you know, I went there, we had the number one recruiting class in the country. Les Gutches was a part of that guy named Chad Renner, who was actually the top recruit in the country. So recruiting was always important. and, and, you know, when you're at Iowa, it, there was an attraction. So, I mean, when I went to places, of course, uh, there's the Iowa coach. If I were, you know, I come to the Illinois State Tournament sometimes just to see everybody and, and, and but, but to recruit. But, I, I mean, you know, I was a point. I don't want to say you picked them because you still had, at that level, you still had the, the Oklahoma State and Oklahoma's and Iowa State that were after those top-end guys. Uh, but, yeah, there certainly was a focus on it. And so when I got to Illinois, you know, what I sold, they were, Illinois hadn't won a Big Ten uh, dual meet in five years. So they were a poor program. <laughs> and, I, and I actually had a, you know, there, you know, I, 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 I had talked, Iowa State had talked to me when Bobby Douglas went there. But I, I kind of verbally committed to, to Illinois and, and I took a job and didn't look back. And the first kid I visited at Illinois was a kid named Ernest Binion. First yeah. kid I visited, first kid I signed, and he ended up being a national champ and three-time All-American. His first, second, third. Wrestled Joe Williams kid. a lot. Yep, yep. They went back and forth, and uh, you know, so we had good recruiting classes. We had Eric Siebert right away. That was a national champ for us. And uh, but so yeah, recruiting has always been important. And you know, Illinois then made a commitment to wrestling, which I sold that commitment, sold my experience at Iowa. We had instant success at Oregon State. Where you know we were. Uh, you know, seventh. Oregon State was seventh in the Pac-10, seventh years in a row, and we won it my second year there. Won the Pac-10s and did well, and and so you know. But I just took the Iowa philosophy of of work ethic, and and this is what you do, and and people knew that they knew my background then, and so you know that was easy to sell. But yeah, recruiting is always important. Man, I I didn't realize that you recruited less sketches, and that's a guy where. Obviously, the diehards know. I mean, how good was that guy in college and then on the well, international scene? You know, he was so athletic, Ryan. I mean, he was just an athlete. But what he did when he came in on his visit, he kind of verbally committed to Oklahoma State. And he calls me. He's not real sure. And he wants to come on a visit to, to, to Oregon State. And I says, do you sign a letter? He goes, I signed it, but I didn't send it. I said, tear it up. And he goes, I said, let me hear you tear it up. Well, he tears it up. So he comes on a visit to Oregon and Oregon State. He wants to work out with me. He wants to see how, you know, well, sure, he's a high school kid. He's a good high school kid. But so I worked out with him. Of course, I'm bigger, stronger, more experienced at that point. But he just wanted to make sure there was somebody good. So, yeah, he came in. And, and I got to give less. Les and I are still very close. But some of those kids, we had turned the program around so fast. Some of them were mad. And I understood that. Some of them were sad and some of them were happy for me. And that was one of the hardest things I'd ever done was, was leave a program. Of course, Oregon State's good now. I'm leaving for Illinois. That's bad. And I don't want to get off of the, the transit here and go into to my career because that's not what we're here for. But just in a nutshell, he was one yeah. of the kind of guys who was really sad. And, uh, you know, but we stay connected and we still talk to this day. And, and he's gotten into bodybuilding. And, you know, of course, he with USA Wrestling, so we talk. But I told myself, if I get on one success, I'm not going to leave for another program because I don't want to go through that again. And How hard uh, I had some opportunities. Guys, oh, oh it, was, it, was, it was tough. The next year, they were second in the NCAA tournament. So I left a team that took second. Wow. And then, you know, started all over with, uh, you know, with, with Illinois. And, and then we had a good run in Illinois. So that's kind of my coaching story. And the last non-Gable thing I have to ask you about is, where were you at when that picture was taken for the 1980 Olympics? Because you are jacked in that picture. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, I get people, 
people will, will talk, oh, yeah, I, everybody knows that picture. It's, it's funny. But it was just a picture that was taken in the Iowa wrestling room. And actually, my wife took that picture. And so it just got used. And it gets used. It got used on baseball cards. And it, it, it got used here in Illinois. And I mean, people, you know, then I, I, you know, I did a little bit of work for uh, uh, some strength companies. So they put it out on like a, an eight by 10. Then they put it on with, you know, me coaching and me as an athlete. And it kind of gave both credentials. And so, of course, people love that. And, and a funny story, Ryan, and last year I'm at Seton. And I'm thinking I'm talking to the junior high boys. Well, the principal says, I want you to talk to the whole school and talk about you know, you've been Catholic and, you know, the Olympic, all that stuff. So I do. And I bring a bunch of these pictures and this, this little kid. And there's so I'm thinking, okay, you know, anybody wants his autograph? I'll, I'll put the whole school lines up. And it's towards the end, this little kid goes, he looks at the picture. He goes, what happened to all your muscles? <laughs> I'm laughing. And his teacher is right behind him because he must be just a little pistol, you know. And she yeah. goes, oh. And she kind of says, well, whatever his name was, Johnny, he got old. And, and then she gets embarrassed for saying that. And I'm laughing. I'm just laughing. I just think it's hilarious. you know. But, so anyway, that oh. picture, you know, of course, I was into the, the lifting and I was always into lifting. I, I, I lifted in high school. and I was always into that that game a little bit. But I, I get I get grieved. My wife says, you get rid of that picture. I said, when I die, throw it in the coffin. You know, but until then, it gets used. Oh, it's everywhere. Even if you throw it away, it's on the internet everywhere. It's going to be, oh, a, it's, that's a great picture. That's a, I well, love that you know, picture. It, it, it's funny. Uh, some guy, some, somebody I knew ran into one of the Minnesota guys and they asked him, and this was well after, wow, I don't know him, but I just know him from that picture. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So you, that actually was taken at Iowa. And so if we jump back to Iowa, um, you know, take us, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm trying to do with the documentary is kind of take people inside the Iowa room at that time. And so um, Ed Bannock has talked about, you know, practice started at this time and it was go, go, go. You know, what was it like when you were an assistant, like preparing for practice? Were you able to strategize over it or like kind of take us inside that room? What, what was well, the intensity like? And the, Well, I had never been around intensity like that ever in anything uh and so when i walked in that room you know we'll, we'll jump as a, as a coach so i mean it yeah. was like okay you know he, he'd say not a whole lot about practice basically guys would just pair up and they'd get a partner and you took a break when you needed a break and if and you know if there was a part of their practice that needed technique they would do they would they would work on technique but it was more of a live scrimmage daily and so it was pound, 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 and the strongest survive. And and then a lot of the technique work, oh, Iowa doesn't work on it. They, a lot of the technique work was done in the morning individually. You know, and I, and I love that philosophy because, you know, if one guy needs to work on a high crotch, another guy needs to work off getting on the bottom, and you, you know, you don't, you know, you're, you're, you need to feed that individual. And so that's where their coaching philosophy was way more individual. I never went with to the practice room with my coaches in college. Never. You know, I would work out in the mornings, but, you know, I was more the exception at Michigan. Well, that was a norm in Iowa where, you know, if you need help with this or that or strength training or what, you, that's what you did. So the afternoons were spent with just getting in there and pounding and wrestling, and that's where the time and the intensity. I'd never been around intensity and long intensity. I mean, the amount of time that we spent on the mat just combat was incredible and intensity. You walked in that room and it was it was as intense of a situation I've ever been in, and uh, it was like holy cow! And it was day after day after day after day, and I, I, I like I say, I, would I people break? Good. Uh, there, sure, there would be people break. You know, you get mismatches in there because it wasn't like you know you can't wrestle a guy that beats you every day. Sometimes you need to get somebody that beats you. And so guys would break, and I, 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 you know, I'm close with the brand boys, and I'll never forget that they were getting into it one day, and 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 I can't remember which one was with, but Tom was. I mean, I know, I know him apart, but when they were freshmen, Tom got, I believe, taken down. He was pulling Terry back in, and Terry ankle picked him. He got so mad he punched him, and I think Terry cut Tom's uh, cheek or had to get stitches, 
and of course I'm just laughing. I was right there and I just kind of laughed, you know, as they, they want them, you got to go out and get stitches. And, and that's how I told them apart that freshman year. It's like, I could tell by the, the, the covenant. Huh. Now I can't remember which one had it, but, uh, you know, yeah, there, there would be people break and throw their headgears and, uh, you know, that, that stuff. And that was common. I mean, and, you know, I, I took that philosophy in the L.Y. I, I never, you didn't run guys start fighting. I mean, nobody ran over there and broke them up. Eventually it got broke up, but it wasn't like, hey, it just happens. So the yeah. intensity and the workload was incredible, incredible. Wow. And then, you know, a lot of guys have said this, that because of the caliber of the athletes in the room and because of the Hawkeye Club, when you got to a dual meet, it was kind of like a day off for those guys. Absolutely. So, and that's what, that's what I saw because you, you know, when you, you're, you're the starting group and it's, you know, they were powerhouses at the time, but on any given day, every guy in that lineup would, could, could be getting his, you know, tail beat in the practice room by somebody. There was always somebody that could whip the guys on the team. I, that's just what made, made him good. And, you know, I, I remember my, my junior senior years in college I, I mean i was you know i was 177 and was 177 190 well, i i whipped everybody in the room easy i didn't i'd have to go search out good guys from you know from older guys around the detroit area but i i didn't have that day-to-day where, where somebody would come over and, and and overpower me well there there was always somebody there to overpower those guys on the team and, and to just you know make it so the dual meets your right or a little bit of a day off yeah, I mean, McElbrady said that when I talked to him last Friday, he, he said that he would get kind of those butterflies and jitters coming into practice because you knew that if you were off, you had to wrestle Daryl Weber or Joe Williams or Bill Zadick, and it was going to be a really tough day if you weren't yep. completely zoned in every day like that, which is like, yep. man, you get chills thinking about that. Um, yeah. And if you talk, you talked about the Gable being super dedicated as a coach. Do you have any like stories that the people might not know? And for example, I, I heard one guy say that, and this could be folklore, that he put a snowplow on his truck so that he could go pick wrestlers up in the winter if it was snowing. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, like <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing it? that this the stories uh, go. I, I'd say Gable spent all his time with wrestling his family. I mean, he just you know he likes to fish and stuff, but he was he just the, the intensity that that just the aura around him. And, you know, even for me, I mean, I'm in there when I was just a coach, just as a coach, I'm not competing anymore, but I worked out hard just because he was in the room. And so you can imagine what it was like when you were the athlete on the team representing Iowa, you know, how much uh, pressure and pride and, and, and then that is still that work ethic in you. But it, it was no magic. It was just the idea that that's Dan Gable, all that he's been through. And he's the legend in in the sport as a coach, as a as a wrestler. He's done it all. So you wanted to perform for the guy, and 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 I think he had a great work ethic, obviously as an athlete, but then as a coach. I mean, it was just like all the time, go go go. And at the time when I got there, that's that's obviously where I learned my coaching philosophy. It just became, hey, that's what you did. You get up in the yeah. morning, wrestle. You need to go recruit. I mean, I, I talked to coaches today, and I said, you know what? I, I heard people that have to work hard and work weekends. I said, I said, I don't have any sympathy for you. I mean, we went all the time. There was some somebody, some junior world trials, or or this or that, or recruiting all the time. And if you want to be good, that's what you have to do. And does your family take a little bit of a backseat to that? I mean, they have to understand. But the good thing about wrestling is, is Gable's family, which which really was a good inspiration from my wife. Kathy Gable was awesome. My wife, she became a, such a huge, my wife became such a huge wrestling fan that they could be involved in the sport, you know, as a, as a fan on the inside. And that helped you then when you had to go on the road because sometimes they would be with you, you know, at the dual meets yeah. and the big ones at Oklahoma States where the, you know, the, the wives and stuff would come. But I, I don't, I don't ever say there's a bunch of secrets about Gable. It, it was, it was a, just plain secret out, out front and everybody that was just plain hard work and instilled that in everybody around him. And in addition to the work, one thing that comes through when talking with some of the athletes, whether it's Randy Lewis or, or Barry or any of those guys is he really, um, and very similar to John Wooden, 
he really knew the guys and got to know them and, and, and instilled a belief in them. So can you talk about that a little bit? Just like the level of kind of care and love he had for the guys and how much he knew those guys? Well, yeah, no question. I, I believe that, that, that was certainly a huge impact on my coaching career because I think to be a great coach, you have to be able to know your guys because Gable, was, he would know the guys that, okay, hey, need to get out of here. Don't come to practice today. Or I remember there was a while when Lou Bannock was a senior. Gable would say, hey, I want you to work out with Lou at 10 in the morning, 10 at night. He doesn't like to come to him practice sometimes. Okay. And if you don't, if you don't spend time with a guy and know that, that he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to practice with everybody else or he's got other stuff going, that didn't bother Gable. And it never bothered me. Okay. I mean, and I'm literally talking about sometimes at 10 o'clock at night, I would work out with Lou Bannock or in the mornings or around practice, but he, he knew those guys and what made them tick so well that uh, uh, that's what even made him even better than, wow, this guy's going to allow me to do my thing and still get the work done. I mean, he wasn't, you know, they, they weren't getting out of practice. They just made yeah. him, you know, doing stuff a little bit different. And the individual, you know, time that was spent with guys and how close you get with guys. Well, you know, Gable's there every step of the way. And if he's not there, he's, he was using an air. Why? Even if he's in the office, he'd come over and he'd watch and see what you were doing. So guys felt like they could really go to Gable. They they hung out in our in our office all the time. And when that happens, is I mean, some of those guys were close to me. Some of them were close to, you know, Barry. Some of them were close to, to Jay. You know, over the coaching thing with Jimmy. We all kind of coached together. We all overlapped. And but Gable knew the whole system and. Uh, it, it was that that's probably as big as reason anybody just knew what made people tick. And sometimes it was like, get out of here. You're not coming to practice. I want you or you're done. They break, leave. And uh, it wasn't like, Oh, Hey, you know, this guy's get practice. Now he was here early or he's been here late. And it's kind of the way it was, but yeah, he was, he was certainly a guy that every person, including guys on the step, but the, the guys on team knew that Gable really cared about him. More than just as that, because if it's just an athlete, you know, they, they can turn that off. But when you're caring about their life and if you really know, if you really want the best out of an athlete, you better know what's going on in his life. And uh, yeah. that was a huge influence for, for I, I believe, his, his coaches that when they went out to coach and why a lot of his coaching trees had a lot of success, you know. And uh, so it's it's certainly he's an inspirational person to all of us, anybody that's ever been around him. Uh, and you know, I was around him for a long time, so it was, it was, you know, a guy like me. Was I mean, you were you were deep in those circles for a long time, and looking back at it, I feel like that's what you know, the coaches he brought in is what made him so unique. You think about Jay Robinson from California, wrestled at Oklahoma State. He's on the staff. Like that's unheard of now to have an Oklahoma State guy coaching. Right, Iowa. right. He brought right. you in. You're an Olympian. You wrestled at Michigan went head-to-head with one of his guys, Campbell, twice, and he brought you in. So it's like he wasn't just bringing around the Iowa guys. Not that there was anything wrong with that or any shortage of that. You know, Davis was a coach there, and then, you know, of course, Zolotsky and Brands. But in the in the early days, in like eight, mid-'80s, early-'80s, and it was it was a coaching just like, – Yeah, it was. You know? Like, you know? Yeah. And, and then, you know, the, the tree that he has out there is, is pretty incredible. And you're right. He, I think he saw, hey, I'm going to do a special program. If it's an Iowa guy, great. If it's not, great too. It, it doesn't matter because you become an Iowa guy. When you put that type of time in, and I think that's where, uh, you know, the guys that didn't go to school there, you know, Jay and, 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 and particularly Jay and me, uh, you know, when you go in and you show your work ethic, you show you care about this, you become an Iowa person. And, and I, I go to those Iowa reunions and, and things like that, you know, when I can make them. And, you know, especially since I've been out of been out of Illinois, I'm as welcome there as any of those guys. I mean, I, I, I the, <laughs> the way I feel. I mean, they make me feel like I'm part of that thing. And, you know, uh, there, there's a few of those guys to make sure. Cause sometimes I fall, the guys like me and Jay, we fall through the cracks of, because we're not alumni. But uh, there's guys like Chuck Yagla is, is a buddy. He's always making sure, hey, we're having this here. We're doing this here. 
you need to come and and you know that that makes a guy like me feel that when you get there it's like it's okay i'm not really an alumni it's worth thing michigan has their alumni stuff but it's not the same at michigan that it is at iowa for who shows up and and yeah and that becomes a special thing and i'm always feel welcome because you've been through war with guys when you've been to, and i don't want to compare it to war that's not right but when you've been to the battles that you go through as athletes and you're in their corners and you're you're winning and losing with them. I mean, you become close to these guys, and, and and so you feel very welcome in that that inner circle. And that was a very unique thing. I you know, over the years, people talk about that. I like, what's it like? And I, you know, I just kind of smile and say, it's it's really hard to put into words. But you know, you're you get you're probably getting a lot of the same things on what it was like because it was very and still is very unique. So you think about that that fateful decision, like if you didn't attend that tournament in Iowa City, that Greco tournament, like how different would your life have been? You know, it's yeah, kind it's of crazy more, to think know, about. Yeah, yeah, Ryan, you talk about an impact on my life. I mean, not as I said, not just my coaching career. That's a life decision. That catapulted me into, you know, where where opportunities as a head coach were, you know, were came. Uh you know, I had some opportunities along the way, and some of them weren't right. And uh, you know, waited what I thought was one that that was, and then you know, Illinois was always on my 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 list. I remember when I went to Oregon State, Ryan, the guy asked me, "Everybody else is stepping stone," and I flat out told him, "But three jobs I'll be interested in: Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, and Illinois." And and I had so there was there was calls the first year I was at Oregon State, and I said, "No, I'm not I'm not leaving after one year." And then, you know, the Illinois thing came about and it was like, here's my home state. I think the potential was good. And obviously it, it ended up being good. But being in Iowa put me in the position to get that. And that that's something that I'll always be yeah. eternally gr- grateful to Gable for. I mean, the, the thing that he did for me really put me in the position that, 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 that set me in my career. And, and then what I learned from him enabled me to have a lot of success. So it was yep. it was it was you know it was good and you know some you know, it was it was tough on gable you know my the first big my third year at Illinois after being pretty poor you know marinetti beat macravey benyon won we won two nca titles at iowa city in my third year at, at Illinois. and you know but that's what happens when you have a coaching tree and you know they learn from a guy like gable that you know you you have some pretty good success out there the marinetti go ahead Oh, you know, we won the Big Tens in Iowa City one year, and you know that was that's that that was you know kind of one of the highlights of my coaching career. But yeah, that one match, oh, you know, as God. a head coach, it was it was funny. I it, it's I was talking to Jay before the match, and uh, he's at Minnesota at times. So he says, "What do you want to bet?" He goes, "I can't remember if he said his house or his car." I said, "Okay." Well, of course, I come back. And I'm kind of going like, because, you know, Benyon was the next match. So it must have been after Benyon. I said, Jay, give them keys. Because I think he still owned the house when I was here. Where's my keys? And he just laughed. You know, I don't know if he even remembers that. But, yeah. How big of an upset was that? That McRae v. Marinetti match? What what was your question, Ryan? How big of an upset was that Marinetti-McRae match? You know, they... They had he Marinetti lost to him uh, on stalling calls in the Big Ten tournament. Okay. So we just kind of had a philosophy going in, training a little bit differently for them two weeks, and and oh, was, I, we didn't think it was a, you know as big as upset it was. I mean, still you have to do it. Was he talented enough to do it? Obviously, uh, but that's still getting it done in Iowa City. And you know, uh, you know, Lincoln had a lot of pressure. It's in it's in Iowa City, and you know, it, it was, but it was a huge match for us but upset in the wrestling eyes yes uh, we knew he was ca- i i believe that he was capable of beating it you know just because he had a it was a good style matchup marinetti had you know he he was a goer as well but you still got to beat him i mean lincoln mackway is, is he's just, he's as good as wrestlers we've had in this country he's right in there with the upper echelons of everybody and i like him a lot he actually came on a visit to oregon state before you know when i was there really and, uh, Yes, because I remember thinking, if he comes here, I'm never going to leave. 
but you know, then of course he went to Iowa. <laughs> but he came, he came on a visit to, to Oregon State, and you know, Gutches showed him around things. We have a picture of me, I believe, me Gutches, Mac Ravy with Randy Owen, the lead singer of, of Alabama. They were at Oregon State, and we got him in to meet. He wrestled in high school, and uh, we got him in to meet him backstage, and so it was an awesome, awesome deal for him. That put us on the map. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a big upset in the eyes of the rest of the world, and. You know, then then recruiting, I don't want to say it became easy because we did well. But after that, then people knew that we knew how to train people to be national champions. And that what, that's what kids want. You know, they yeah. want to know, does this, you know, can you take a guy that you recruit and make him a national champion? And, you know, that instantly put us in a national spot. I was coach of the year, that national coach of the year that year. And that instantly put us in a, in a spotlight and, you know, kind of was a catapult to our success. Well, the fact that it was at Carver, it- Unless you've been there, it's hard to describe how uh, how intense the atmosphere is, and you know the the fans get on you for the stall calls, and like you know the refs are an influence a little bit. And so the fact that you know McAravey could have been, I think he was a little bit before Pat Smith, so he would have been the first four timer, and this is going for his third, and then no, 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 he was Pat Smith had won because he'd already won his because I remember walking okay. into the hallway. And running into Pat Smith, I slapped him on the back. You, you, you always won, and he just kind of smiled. You don't even know what I was talking about, you know, because he, you know, of course, Macway was on track, and you know, was you know, certainly heavily favored to, to win his, you know, that was that would have been his third. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 a tough time, and when you know it, you know, we we in in the two NCAA tournaments that we went to there, you know, we only won four championships out of that. And wow. we did Marinetti and, and or Marinetti and Benning, and then Lockhart won a heavyweight title, and then uh, was it Lackey? Oh, it was Adam Terrapelli. So out of the two times, you know, so when you know that you prepare, hey guys, here's, you know, you're not going to wrestle an Iowa guy every time, uh, but you know they they certainly are. You know, we certainly knew how to prepare, including including you know obviously Jim Heffernan. Hey, here's what it's like in that place, and you know you'll feed off it. Don't you know? Don't use it as a crutch. Use it as a as a bonus because they appreciate it. They know it. It's it's just not a big crowd. It's a big crowd that knows wrestling inside and out, and they're great fans. And it's fun to wrestle in front of them, you know, win or lose. To be honest with you, and and because uh, it's such a big sport. And but yeah, it's it's a fun place to wrestle, and you know, it's just a shame that Nassau's, you know, aren't. You're probably going there more often. No, I don't know if we'll ever go back there. Um, no, I think they've kind of outgrown. Uh, you know, I was there. When the first year was my first year as a full-time coach. I yes, so it was I think they eighty-two, eighty. Yeah, I can't remember what year it was when it opened up. But I was coaching when it opened up, and it instantly I remember wrestling opened the arena. And there was 10,000 people for the Oklahoma match. I mean, that's, you know, 10,000 people for Oklahoma. And they weren't the power at that point, Oklahoma State was, besides Iowa. But it just became such a place that, you know, that that the good fans loved. People really liked going there, whether they wanted to compete there or not. But everybody appreciated the, the amount of people that that Iowa would, would draw. And then, of course, the force that it has on the referee. I mean, when you get... You you get most of those people you know rooting for Iowa and they're 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 calling for stalling and you know that intimidates a ref. I don't care if they say it or not. You know I've seen it many times where it happened. I've been on the good side and the bad side of, the, of that intensity. You know so yeah, it's a great place to compete. It really is. Oh, I can't even imagine. I I love going there and you know even some of the best guys like I remember when Mark Hall from Penn State had his debut there. You know he was. He, accomplishments wise way better than the guy he was wrestling but you know it just didn't happen for him in that first match and you know he lost his first match ever in college at Carver and same thing happened in Macarabia and kind of you know what Gable did afterwards when he held those mock dual meets there to get him ready for the crowd was just shows you how dedicated he was but also how how much energy Carver had yeah yeah the energy there is incredible it really is and uh you know so it's it's kind of got a special place for everybody that's ever you know competed coach wrestled there it's cool yeah now i know we've covered a lot of ground i just have two areas i just want to talk about real quick then i'll let you go is that okay okay sure um so the first is you know the 87 season so 
you know, you guys had the, the Roman numeral X on the leg. You're going for the 10th title. Now, that season, there was a couple dual meet losses. Going into the Nationals, was there still the perception that you guys were going to win, or did were the cracks starting to crumble a little bit? And, like, what was it like, I guess, going into the 87 Nationals? No, it, it really wasn't any different than any other one. We certainly had the potential to win. Uh, and, you know, had we wrestled up to our Billy, I, I, I think we would have won. Uh, you know, there were, there were always times, I mean, you look at back at the, a lot of those years, there was always, an, uh, you know, a loss or two. Sometimes it, I think we were undefeated, but there were times that we had lost, but we'd always put it together for the national tournament. And the expectations were, yeah, that was going to happen. And it was certainly, uh, we had the ability to do that again. It just, it just didn't happen. And, you know, of course, Iowa State had a, had a great tournament. Uh, things happen like, you know, Penn was ahead and he, he gets, he gets pinned. And, yeah. you know, th- those are, those are things that don't happen very often, but wrestled the tournament again. And was Iowa capable of winning? Yeah. But sometimes, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be cracks. There's going to be times where it doesn't get done. And that just happened to be the one that got it. And, and, uh, uh, you know, then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's, it, it, it is a crack. Then when you're second and, you know, I mean, most people are pretty happy with, you know, when you, if, if you, you sit back and look at it, you're <laughs> second in the country. But of course it was, it was a tough thing to take. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't the greatest moment in the world, but. You know. What do you think the biggest changes were after that? For Gable well, I and think, the recruiting and the staff. Well, I think what happened with got everything on track is I think there were things, you know, maybe that need to be shore up with academics and, you know, off the mat issues that, then there became an issue, okay, if it's not broke, you don't fix it. And so I think there was a little more discipline put in after that, uh, you know, off the mat stuff and say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're, we're, it's, it, it's going to be more of a, a discipline nature on, uh, around the, the program and things like that. And I saw it instantly with Gable. I mean, I, I mean, we remember we talked about it when we got back. Hey, here's what we're going to do, and 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 then you know we knew that we had a, a younger team after that, and of course then they came back, and you know then I, that's when I went to Oregon State, and and then they came back and started dominating again, and you know really for for a while, and uh, but there it was an instant okay, it's it's now we don't want to say broke, but it's not we didn't win. So what are we going to do different? And, and, you know, and there were implementations, I think, right away. I love that. And that's where I think probably the, if he wasn't the greatest coach of all time at that point, the resurgence, as I kind of call it, definitely was because even, even when he retired in 97, when Zaleski was the coach, those were still Gable classes. Iowa won 98, 2000. So they won every title in the nineties, except one. Um, which is crazy. So it, I don't know, it's just kind of it's interesting to hear how he responded in that moment after the '87 Nationals. Yep, yep, for sure. What? In, for sure. And these are quick questions. Best team you ever coached at Iowa, or what do you think the best Iowa team was ever? 1986, and I'm biased because I was coaching that time. But there were five NCAA champions, and <laughs> the Nationals were in the Nationals were in Iowa City, so the atmosphere was. I don't know if it gets any better than winning with that many guys in dominance uh, in, a, in a program. You know, just some of the guys will argue other other things. You know, the the '83 team was was, was really good with with the Bannocks for seniors. Uh, so I, I think those are the two best years. My my, I guess maybe they're my favorite years. The first one was my '83 was my first full time, but '86 was in Carver Hawkeye. So those are some of the you know, in my opinion, the, the best. And impact of the brands and the program in your eyes? Uh, the resurgence, the intensity they brought. Uh, I love the brand boys, um, close with them. And I, I just wish people knew how dedicated and good people they are. Uh, they're so intense, of course, that, you know, some people don't like their intensity. But if you know, if you really know the brands, you, you've got to like the brands. So I, I think they're great for the sport. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. They're just, they're just good natured guys. And we, we, we have a good relationship. Some of the stuff we pull with each other is fun, but I, <laughs> I, I think they're great for the sport. They were great athletes and as intense as they go. And, and, 
you know, just they, every time someone brings us, you know, uh, they talk about it, brings a smile on my face. And I stick up for a lot. There's people out there that that will, uh, you know, not that aren't fans. Of them. I said, listen, if you knew those guys, if you knew the way they lived their life and how much they loved wrestling, good people they are, you'd be huge fans. And not everybody can see that part of them because they don't let that out there. They're they're intense when they're coaching. They should be. That's the time to be intense. Yeah, but um, to your point, though, I mean, they never had a, a drop of alcohol. I mean, they're just, they seem like they just did the right thing, you know, all the time. I mean, and it's the perception now is a little bit different to your point that, you know, maybe they're not as like people person as they need to be, but the guys who wrestled there, like they couldn't say the opposite. Like they love those guys. Oh, and you know what? It's, it's, they're, they're just, they weren't highly recruited. They, they, they just worked themselves into being great athletes. You know, I mean, they were, they just came in and they just made themselves good and the, 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 the athletes that they became. And, and then the men they are, tremendous. I mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, when you look back at, at your time at Iowa, and as I mentioned, in a month from now, we'll regroup and I want to understand Oregon State and Illinois, but just at Iowa, like, what's like the fondest memory you have there looking back over all those years? I think overall, it's some of the happiest times really of my life. My kids were born in Iowa City. Uh, I got married at, at that time, not in Iowa City, but you know, I started my family, started my coaching career there, had great success, made the Olympic team at Iowa. Uh, so I wrestled for the Hawkeye Club. So I consider myself, I have a lot of Hawkeye in me. Uh, and it, it, it's some of the best memories I have of not just my, my coaching career, but of of my whole life. It's, it's fond memories. My wife's an Iowa grad. Uh, there's, there's just so much that, that puts a smile on me. It, it, it enables me to have a great career, uh, a comfortable lifestyle. Uh, after I retired, I can, you know, I'm still a huge fan. I still go to a lot of, to, to everything. So that, those moments in that, in, in that city and that, that university always will be special to me. I love it. I well, I really appreciate your time, um, and man, it's just uh, it's an honor to talk to you because you're, uh, no, you're a legend from the cities. Well, I appreciate you including me because you know one thing I want to say is I'm a huge Gable fan. I can you know I, I, we're friends, but I, I just admire the guy and I, I've always I respect him. I'm also very thankful for the opportunity he gave me because you think about it, it's huge. And, and again, as we've talked huge on what you're doing this story on not not only on my coaching career but the impact it had on my entire life was basically as a guy say hey what are you going to do and and you know why don't you come to Iowa and that was the best move I ever made that's the end of this episode but definitely not the end of the show for more episodes please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org subscribe to us on iTunes give us a star rating show the love baby show the love thank you so much we'll see you again soon Peace.